Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider inside TCO Performance Center. Matthew Collar here, as always, with Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. And if you are a longtime listener to this show, you know exactly what's coming. But you might be able to see into your crystal ball what's coming. Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, but let me explain, because not everybody has been listening the entire time, though they sure. should have been uh, years ago. 2017, Mike Zimmer was asked about the health status of Sam Bradford. Was that what it was? I had forgotten the, the specific origin of this. It was. Okay. I looked this up after we did like five crystal ball All episodes. Right. All right. And then someone, a local fortune teller, then sent him a crystal ball. And since then, all of our episodes together have been looking into the crystal yes. ball in the future. And uh, when it arrives, you'll know. So uh, uh, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's start out, though, before we dive deep into the crystal ball and just uh, talk a little bit about what we just saw with Vikings and Raiders and then everything going right yeah. for the Vikings following that up, including the Packers losing to Tommy DeVito, uh, a punt return for touchdown for the Ravens. It was almost like the forces that be were like, no. We will not let you miss the playoffs, yeah. Vikings, this year, including the fact that the Raiders fumbled inside the red zone, that a quarterback standing on the sideline, maybe two quarterbacks could have scored more than zero points yeah. for the Raiders, but they left Jimmy Garoppolo standing over there. I mean, what a strange development to come out of the weekend, Ben, and be like, no, actually, they're great somehow. Yeah, what? well, yeah, I mean, you, you go from two minutes from the game heading to overtime scoreless to them winning. And then by Monday night, they are a full game ahead of everybody chasing them in the NFC. And yes, I know there are tiebreakers that play into it. If the Buccaneers don't win the division, things get tricky. I understand all that, but surely in the standings right now, they're the sixth seed at seven and six. They are one of six teams in the NFC that has a winning record. Nobody else does. So, yeah, they came out of the week in better playoff position than they entered it after winning 3 nothing. Truly cannot predict ball. What is your take on Jordan Love and uh, what we saw last night? Because the entire universe declared him to be great quarterback, yeah. and then all of a sudden uh, did not look so great. They didn't have Christian Watson, so that was uh, probably a factor uh, in them being a little banged up. But as we go down the stretch here, there's going to be a very important game, more than likely, between yeah. the Vikings and Packers. And I, I won't ask you to look into the crystal ball. I just want your opinion of like what we've seen from Jordan Love since he played against Brian Flores' defense. Yeah, I mean, the the couple games that I've seen, obviously the Lions on, on Thanksgiving and then the Chiefs um, in primetime a couple weeks ago, he he's looked better. I mean, certainly has looked more assertive, looks like a guy that can make a lot of the throws, always has the arm strength to do it. The thing with him, he just looks like he's learned a lot of not-so-great habits from Aaron Rodgers, who learned them from Brett Favre. A lot of the footwork, a lot of the throwing-off platform when you probably don't need to is seemingly part of his game. And I, I don't know, I haven't watched enough Utah State film to know if that was always part of it with him or if he's picked up all of that stuff from watching Rodgers, who learned it from Favre. But there are a lot of those things there that seem kind of reminiscent of those guys. And it's fine if you are a Hall of Famer. It tends to not be a great idea if you're not. So that's kind of one of the things I'm still waiting to see. And just the general, I mean, there's times where it's if he has a seven-yard throw, 
take the seven yard throw. He seems like he's kind of chasing the big play probably a little more often than he should. I, I thought even at the end of that game last night, there was some of that. So those are some of the things I, I still see as being an issue. He's He's been a lot more efficient, certainly has shown some of that first round talent, but what does he do against Brian Flores, I think is up for debate, especially given the fact that against the Giants last night, he looked like he was making a lot of the same mistakes we saw earlier in the season. Right. And they have a defensive coordinator who sends a lot of pressure yep. and a lot of unique looks at the quarterback. Um, so maybe declaring him to be the next Aaron Rodgers, as the broadcast has loved to do. Yeah. Now, I, I do find some of the factoids to be pretty like stunning how they had the same number of yards or whatever. And apparently Rodgers lost his 13th start on a field goal at the end of a game, which is what happened to Jordan Love. So th that's weird. Yeah. Like, I like weird stuff. Uh, the Rodgers Farf stuff was always weird, too. So yeah, right. there's like a there's weird some there. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin is weird. Sorry for people from Wisconsin. I mostly like it outside of driving there. Uh, but uh, when it comes to Jordan Love, that, that will be a storyline that we're going to approach here because I think after this week, we can be pretty sure that that game is going to be huge for the Vikings yeah. and how good he actually is. Uh, is going to matter. Now, I, th I tend to think of him doing the Rogers stuff like when I was playing Little League and I used to try everyone's batting stance. So, sure, you know, you yeah. try like Tony Batista, you're like the wide open stance or something. I was or, big on the Ken Griffey with like oh, the, of course, I mean, it, or the, I think Gary Sheffield was always the other one where yeah. you come up with like the wrists over the top where you kind of do the, you know. Yeah, he's doing it. He's always kind of do that thing for audio. Listening. Yeah, I suppose the video people saw it. The, you know what the Gary Sheffield thing looks like. If you're of a certain age, the difference is I'm not Gary Sheffield, so it didn't work. But yeah, you always try to mimic those things one i tried that the locals would appreciate or maybe throw batteries at me for was chuck knoblock where i tried holding the bat like sideways back oh yeah uh didn't work no that was not good for me i tried the kirby pocket leg kick for a while yeah that was always like the big kind of timing device in his batting stance and it didn't i feel like it's gone away fifth grade. it's just gone away a the little leg bit kick? like the totally absurd and probably destructive batting stance yeah because they throw so fast that you don't have time yes. to do a lot of that stuff to bring yep. it, the bat back in. That's a different discussion. You did cover baseball for a while. I did. Though, so covered a lot of bad uh, baseball. But oh, I'm, I'm hearing something. Uh oh, I'm, whoa! It's the crystal ball. Oh, it's back. We talked about it, and now it's arrived. And I'm looking at it, and uh, things are pretty murky actually yeah, here. Yeah, thing looks the, like it's seen some yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. Very, very murky. It's it's all it's kind of cracked and everything because it has no idea what's going on in the future in a lot of ways, but it also, uh, you know, it can help us yeah. looking into the future yeah. and you can read it much better than I can. <laughs> so take a look at the crystal ball, which is right down here okay. below the table. If yeah. You're watching. Yeah. The video. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, tell me, is that, is that Brian Flores at a podium accepting a head coaching job this off season? I I'm squinting. I can't see it. What do you see? Yeah. From is is that Brian Flores getting a job this next offseason or, or not? It's it, a very very unusual. It one. is hard to see. I mean, I could see it either way. I think if you are seeing it, if we're looking at it correctly, I, it, I mean, again, it's the crack in there is making it a little hard to tell. But maybe there's like a Rooney standing over to the side, or oh. maybe that's maybe that's Bob Kraft. I, I, I kind of think those are the only ones it could be. Because I don't know that otherwise he's going to take one. I, I think he's going to be picky. I think he's not going to just take anything that comes along. So 
if in fact that's what it is, I think it's a job on that order where it's solid ownership group, solid franchise, someone he knows and uh, a place that he's like, yeah, I, I can come in here. and Because, I mean, should he be in the spot where he's having to look for opportunity number two? Probably not. And the, and the way that it went down for him in Miami is obviously a big problem and is going to be a continued subject of a lawsuit. But like it or not, this is where he is. And I think he knows that you're probably not going to get opportunity number three. You can't go into this assuming that you're going to get opportunity number three. So if, in fact, he's going to take one, I think he's going to be pretty selective with the opportunities to cover up. I'm certain that he will get interviews. Yes. Because when you're suing the league for not getting fair interviews, yep. then you're going to get some fair interviews. And he has built on his already impressive resume. But there are the other things of the lawsuit. And I also believe that when he was in Miami, and it's not the first head coach to have a first job yep. that did not go ideally and have headbutting and so forth, yeah. uh, particularly when the owner was asking you to tank, which doesn't always go over so good. Yeah, people don't uh, tend to like that so much. No, they don't. If you're going to tank, you just do it from the front office. You don't tell the coach <laughs> to throw games. Um, or, or try to bribe him to throw games, allegedly. Allegedly, according bribe to lawsuits. To uh, that's not in our crystal ball of what happened exactly there, but that will uh, factor in to other yeah, teams decisions, so. uh, the way that that was handled. And in a way you could see a twisted way of owners sort of siding with the other owner and being like, Hey, if you're not going to do whatever we ask you to do, even if it's like really immoral and uh, gross, then we kind of can't have you as the head coach. Uh, and again, I know how weird that is, but also football owners don't exactly stay straight and narrow and totally rational. And they also don't is, break ranks a lot with each other. That is and they true. don't give each other out very often. That is true. My question is about uh, Pittsburgh and uh, New England is if they fire their coaches, aren't they looking for offensive coaches? I mean, probably. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the, the logical thought process there. I mean, I, I think if they were to go with him, it's, you have owners in both of those cases that know him owners that have owned those teams for a long time and have had a lot of success with those teams. So if they're saying, I mean, Bill Cower to Mike Tomlin was defensive guy to defensive guy. And it's, Hey, this is the guy that has the makeup and the, and the leadership skills that we want. So if, if somebody felt like that about Brian Flores, or if it's the Patriots saying we want to continue that Belichick tree, but not with like Matt Patricia, um, maybe that's a, a way that that goes. I He would have to certainly show in, in both of those jobs, in those particular cases, could he develop Kenny Pickett? Could he figure out the quarterback situation in New England? So maybe you're bringing in offensive people that can handle that side of the ball for you, much like Brian Flores has done for Kevin O'Connell on the defensive side of the ball here. But yes, he would certainly have to answer that piece of it of how can you handle the offense? How can you handle a young quarterback? And Flores is a card-carrying member of the Patriot way. So yes, like he came, yes. uh, his upbringing was hired there as a scout at 23 years old, uh, developed all the way through the scouting department, the coaching staff, held After a bunch of After going to college roles. at BC, too. Right, yes. He's very much like that guy. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got consideration for that. And if someone is going to break rank, Robert Kraft, if you're ranking all the owners, has to be as far as like most powerful, way yeah. up at the top. Yep. To where nobody would really be able to say, what are you doing, Robert, with somebody like him? Or Bobby. I don't know what they call him there. But yeah. they would. Uh, that, so that's possible. But if they're meeting today. Are the owners? The owners meetings is to, are today, I believe. So 
Who knows what they're talking about? Maybe they're talking about whether they're going to let Brian Flores have a head coaching job or not. But I'm seeing in the crystal ball, though, that he's here next year. Yeah, uh, I think that I had to wipe it down a sure. little bit. We just brought it out of storage. I, I'm, I've just not been convinced that that's going to happen. And maybe there's something else like an additional assistant coach role or, or something like yeah. that, that they can tack onto it. But some zeros, this is tack those right. On too. I mean, this is not just your routine quality defensive coordinator job. This is one of the most special jobs by a defensive coordinator. Anyone has done in yes. a long time with the turnover that they had on defense, how bad they were on defense last year. And now it's not just, oh, they're pretty good. This is now like a dominant unit, which none of us saw coming. Well, the the thing that's been interesting is we're having conversations. You hear Kevin O'Connell say it a little bit on Sunday is playing to the strengths of your team. We need to not turn the ball over. We need to run it more effectively. And they've run it a lot since Kirk Cousins went out because it's we trust our defense. I mean, these sentences, we need to run the ball. We need to not turn it over. I'm not sure I trust my quarterback. I want to lean on my defense. It's like speaking to Mike Zimmer. I mean, that's who that that's what that feels like. It feels like Mike Zimmer era type stuff. And some of it with Flores has been you're you're getting back. I mean, this is the best defensive performance they've had since probably 2019, maybe even 2017. And this has been done with a group of players that everybody thought, I mean, myself included, we don't know what any of these guys can do. He the the level of development that has happened this year is greater than anything we've seen on the defensive side of the ball in a long time. Because one of the reasons this team was where it was defensively is they've had a lot of draft picks on the defensive side of the ball that have not panned out. And yes, that's been Lewis seen to this point, but I'm, I'm thinking more of guys at the end of the Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer era pass rushers that didn't pan out. Jalen Holmes, uh, you know, guys of that kind of nature that they took in the third, fourth round, um, Hey, Janarius Robinson had a sack. Janarius Rob, yes. I mean, guys like that, guys whose names I'm forgetting because they just didn't do anything. I mean, in some of the corners that didn't pan out, Mike Hughes, you know, a lot of these guys that J Jeff Gladney, rest in peace, obviously, but that didn't go well before he tragically passed away either. There were a lot of those picks that Mackenzie Alexander, a lot of these that just didn't pan out. And his ability to get Ivan Pace to turn into what he's become. Josh Metellus, who was a holdover from the previous administration. Cam Bynum, same thing there. Uh, Makai Blackman standing up to Devontae Adams at times on Sunday. You have not seen young players on that side of the ball do this in a long time around here. And I think that's a lot of the reason why this defense is where it is. So a lot of credit to him for that. And if he is here, which I, I would tend to say if I'm betting, I do think he's here. It's probably with a title increase, and a pay raise to reflect that. This show is being brought to you by BetterHelp. Folks, the holidays are an exciting time for buying gifts and spending time with family, but you have to remember that sometimes the best gift is the one you can give yourself. If you're finding the holiday season tough on you, maybe the best gift is paying a little more attention to yourself, whether that's therapy or just finding time away from the holiday stress. If you are interested in getting someone on your side this December, you may want to check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com insider today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash insider. The uh, development issue is is interesting to me because I, I also think like it's opportunity and it's evaluation. Yeah. So Brian Flores evaluating Josh Metellus and being like, you know what? You can do a lot of stuff because yeah. you're a really bright dude. We, you know what we should do? Have you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I, it really speaks to just coaching in general about uh, being malleable and uh, evaluating what you have and shaping your system to it. And nobody has done a better job than that than him. I think what Mike Zimmer wanted to do was get the exact type of players that he wanted. Yes. And what do they look like? What are their specs? What's going to make this great? Especially and, among the pass rushers. And when he had that, well, it was great. There's yeah. the, there no downplaying it. But when he didn't have it, it was not great. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't have a lot of criticisms of Zimmer as a defensive coach because he was one of the yeah. best for a long time. Track record's but pretty I, good. But I think that was in part what happened when those picks didn't work out. And then also there was no desperate scrambling this offseason. Like, there was not a, oh, man, because they won 13 games. It wasn't like, oh, man, we got to go win 13 again. It was we're actually going to stick to our plan and we have a little more leeway to do some stuff yep. because now we've built up this trust with ownership and so forth. And so they could move on from guys. And it turns out that an older defensive player like Eric Hendricks, yeah. one of the great players during his his best times. But, you know, it, a younger player who's quicker and faster and doesn't have the miles on his body might actually be a better fit like Ivan Pace Jr. has been. And so a lot of guys just simply got opportunity to show what they did, whereas before it was, well, we've got to go get Sheldon Richardson to fill a spot. Yeah. We've got to go get Bashad Breeland because we don't trust this corner because he can't do every single thing that I want him to do and, and that sort of thing. And, and so this different approach, which is very different. Shannon Sullivan last year right right yeah i mean right we've got to go get this other guy as opposed to working the defense around to the strengths we got to get a free agent in here and a lot of times it's not that great whoa whoa uh -oh. the crystal ball uh-oh you know going again i will say with you looking down like that it's um yeah it's it's not the, the angle's not great yeah look over there okay. that's well you the put it down there is. before so. i know that was my mistake and then i looked at the camera and i was like you know what when you're looking down there and saying whoa and people can't see that we're wearing pants. Yeah. It looks a little weird. Yeah. Uh, moving past move that. the ball, moving past that. Now the ball is behind the camera. Whoa. That's where I'm looking to see it. Yes. There um, it is. I see it now. I, Eyesight's getting bad as I get older. I am seeing, I am seeing the Vikings in the postseason, but I can't tell where they're going or who they're playing. It's, it's I'm hearing motors in the background. Maybe that's what it is, but it could also be the sound of, a cowboy saying yeehaw <laughs> or wait. those two things sound the same, but it also could be an angry Eagle throwing a full beer at someone. Ouch. A Vikings fan While says yelling yeehaw. It was a cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. just the Eagles fan yelling. I mean, no, no, the Eagles fan is a screeching Eagle throwing a full beer at a okay, Viking, which fan. sounds like a motor, which sounds, which sounds like, like a the guy motor city. Yes. yes. Do you think they're going to make any number of those things? Do you think they're going to make the playoffs and who are they going to play? Uh, I, looking at it. Yes, I do see them in the playoffs. I, 
gosh, really? Yeah, it looks like a motor, which means I'm. I see myself rolling my eyes as I book a flight to Detroit for the second weekend in a row in the middle of January and asking what else am I going to ask Kevin O'Connell about the Lions because they've now seen them three times in four weeks. But yeah, that's that's what it looks like. I was I was hoping to see maybe somewhere warm, but no, uh, it appears to be uh, the Motor City Kitties. So you don't think that this offense is going to be so bad that they end up falling apart and missing the playoffs? Is that what is that what is what you are telling me? Because the Lions are more than likely going yeah. to be the three seed. Right. I mean, that they're like almost locked into that as yep. long as they don't melt or as long as the Vikings don't take the North, which seems pretty unlikely at this point. Yeah. There's only one way that doesn't happen. Well, a couple ways. I mean, they could be the seventh yeah. seed or they could fall completely out of this yeah. and somebody could catch them like the Rams and so forth. Uh, because I left Vegas thinking, uh, if they play offensively like this again, this season is over. They will lose every single yeah. game going forward. And then I also saw what happened in uh, Chicago yeah. with Detroit and thought, well, maybe not. And, and I mean, we're also not being made to believe that Jake Browning is Joe Burrow, right. even though he's played well. But if you score three points, like this is why, I mean, the crystal ball, yeah. which is now over there, yes, not it's, down it's, here, it's, it's over just, there. it's just very unclear, but I, I think they will still be able to get a cobble enough together to win. What one of these games, two of these games, like they don't I even have to win a lot done. Yeah. Because I don't think that the rest of the NFC is very good. I mean, the Packers have an easy schedule. But you would have said that last night, too. Oh, they're playing the Giants and Tommy DeVito. They should probably go win that game if they're serious, especially after beating the Lions, beating the Chiefs. They maybe got a little high on their own supply and then go out there and get beat in East Rutherford. The schedule is easy for them, but are they going to be consistent enough to maybe win three of their last four to possibly overtake the Vikings? I don't know. So... I think they stay in that sixth seed more because the rest of the NFC is flawed deeply. I, I'm of the opinion more that way than I am that this offense is going to completely figure it out. Although I do think Nick Mullins gives them a better chance to at least play somewhat efficiently. And that's really all you're going to need is don't overthink it. Get the ball to Justin Jefferson. Get the ball to Jordan Addison. Get the ball to TJ Hawkins and let these guys run and make plays. You don't have to have everything be 20 yards downfield if you get guys that can run after the catch, which these guys can. Let me ask you a question that seems to be coming up with Vikings fans that I don't really know what to think about. So uh, according to uh, our colleagues who did not make the trip to Vegas, there was a comment on the broadcast by Mark Sanchez about how Kevin O'Connell had told him that he wanted to give Dobbs one more chance because this is where everybody gave up on him in the past. And I think we saw why uh, everyone gave up on him in the past. Yeah, that like that that game or that juncture what, having yes. a bad game. Yeah, that like when he had had a bad game like he had against Chicago, yeah. other teams had given up on Dobbs. So he wanted to give him one more chance. Now, that might just be something that sounds good for a broadcast. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just quoting what Mark Sanchez said, Kevin O'Connell said, because this isn't court that we can use hearsay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, O'Connell's connection with his quarterback, there is one side of me that says, hey, man, like you didn't really work anything to Josh Dobbs strengths. 
And that's what your job was for that game. Yeah. And that's what Zach Taylor is doing with Jake Browning. So yeah, I guess it is probably better that you go with Nick Mullins. Uh, and am I supposed to think about though, what that means for the future of working with quarterbacks? Am I supposed to criticize what it looked like in Chicago? I think so because like it didn't really work for Josh Dobbs and he asked him to do a lot. Uh, what, what, what is it? Like, what does that mean in yeah. what we've learned from the time that Dobbs had to come in and hit Jaron Hall and, and now Nick Mullins versus like what we saw with him and Kirk? Well, I, I think for as much as they've talked about or, or would want to talk about adapting the offense to whoever's here, we haven't really seen them do that. I mean, in you see small adjustments, but nothing terribly major. And it would look different, I'm sure, through an offseason when you have time to tear it down, do an install, build around what you have rather than trying to do it in the middle of a season. But I also think there is a way that he wants this offense run, and it puts a lot on the quarterback. I mean, you hear him talk all the time about rhythm and timing. It's not go play backyard football. It's not extending plays. It's not Russell Wilson in his heyday throwing on the run, all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's the type of offense he wants in an ideal world, which then means if he's going to go draft a quarterback, is he going to go get somebody that's more like Kirk Cousins or more like Lamar Jackson? I tend to think it's more like Kirk Cousins. I, I think a lot of these coaches from the Kyle Shanahan tree want – the guy that just can deliver the ball on time, that doesn't do a lot of things outside the structure of the play because they are all of a pretty strong belief that their plays work. I mean, you hear the, the phrase all the time, the plays have answers in them. And that's, you hear it from Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Kevin O'Connell. I mean, all, all of these coaches have kind of gone that way. And I think a lot of the concepts that he wants to run are going to be probably something that leads him towards a, a quote-unquote pocket passer. It doesn't mean that it's not somebody that can move around, but I don't think you're going to see him go get somebody who's just throwing that philosophy out and then kind of making them change the whole thing. So this opinion has sort of ebbed and flowed because when he makes plays against New Orleans, it's like, hey, maybe Kevin O'Connell would like somebody who could yeah. bail him out if the play isn't perfect, right? Uh, but... I agreed with Kevin O'Connell when he said that in the NFL, you have to be able to drop yeah. straight back and, and make plays. And that's for sure true. I mean, third down and eight, like you got, and, and Nick Mullins, I actually did make a couple of those he throws. Did. Yes. He tried to throw a few interceptions in the game, but there yeah. was some key like deep out route that he had to hit on time with an accurate pass. Yes. And the, the accuracy issue is always going to be at the top of the list, no matter what we're talking about. Like Lamar Jackson is more accurate than people give him credit for. Yeah. And of course, you know, Jalen Hurts has become a pretty darn accurate quarterback that yeah. you can't just succeed by making plays and making it up back there and so forth. Um, but you know, I think the perfect quarterback, because I've even felt like they've asked too much of Kirk sometimes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Where it was like, so I remember in training camp, in the first camp, it was like O'Connell telling him, stay with the read, stay with the read. And last year, it almost got the guy killed to stay with the reads. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They were lucky that he didn't get hurt last year about five different times. And he actually was once, uh, you know, Netflix did the documentary and stuff. So, yeah, uh, the opening shots of that 
documentary are him getting drilled in the ribs while he's staying in the pocket and staying with the reeds. Exactly. And and of course that's played out pretty well for them. The perfect quarterback for Kevin O'Connell won the Super Bowl with Kevin O'Connell. It's Matthew Stafford yeah. because he could stay in the pocket. He can make some plays out of structure when he needs to, and he can throw the ball into windows that are just unfathomable. Yeah. He's like, got a cannon for an arm. So what does that mean for the future? I mean, does it mean that they go back to Kirk? Because clearly they didn't feel fully into Kirk. Yeah. If they didn't extend him already. Is it Michael Penix? Because he's got the arm talent. Yeah. Uh, like, what What does this mean for the wait? Whoa. What are you seeing in the crystal ball for the future with the connection between O'Connell and his future quarterback? Yeah, I, I see. I think. It looks like there's a guy going up to shake Roger Goodell's hand in the first round of the draft. Is he, he a defensive tackle? What do you No, he looks like a quarterback. Oh. He looks like he's now I'm seeing ESPN uh, getting a split screen with is that Jim Harbaugh? I it looks like Jim Harbaugh. It, it might, JJ McCarthy, it might be JJ huh? McCarthy. Wow. I and now I'm seeing analysts talk about all of the pro style concepts that he ran at Michigan and how he'll be a good fit for Kevin O'Connell's offense. And yeah, it, it looks like that's where it is. And now I'm hearing the, uh, we'll get the, the, uh, the general manager and the head coach down in a minute for the press conference. And, and here we go. So yeah, that's what it looks like to me. And you're, see, and you're seeing me uh, doing a live stream in my studio, which yeah. I will be during draft time. So set your watches to that uh, or your Google calendars, Google calendars yeah. whatever. You have a watch that gets four months ahead. They have the calendar on the watch. I, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, don't the, you have one of the Apple cool watch. watches? I have a cool watch, but I don't think it does oh, a calendar. It syncs okay. with a, it's a running watch. Oh. So it's not like a full Apple watch. I just, it it's looked like it did stuff. So I it wasn't sure. It does do stuff, but it doesn't do as much stuff as like an Apple watch mm, does. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm sure that you haven't scouted J.J. McCarthy, but that's an interesting thought. I mean, I, I've watched enough of him not to be sold on him yeah. uh, because he just didn't play that well against Penn State, didn't yeah. play that well against Iowa. I don't know if that's the arm talent that we're talking about here. That's why Penix is more interesting sure. to me. Yeah. And there seems to be a pretty big debate already over that. But I'm also what you're going to see from me in the studio when you're looking in your crystal ball is me saying, finally, like, finally, <laughs> you decided to do this. And I am not saying that, oh, they should have drafted Will Levis if they didn't like him. But when you let first round quarterbacks go by like Will Levis, to me, you're just playing with fire. Like, well, you this, you should have maybe draft, like taken a shot or you're reducing your odds to get that guy. And so if you're going to put like your franchise and your future and this is where the Kirk thing comes back up, because it's like, are you going to put your future as the GM and head coach on J.J. McCarthy? Because that's what yeah. you're really doing. Yeah, you are. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the thing is that whoever it is, and for the aggregators out there, I'm not operating with like a ton of great intelligence to say that they're going to take J.J. McCarthy. I think there are some fits there, and they they certainly have done some some scouting of J.J. McCarthy through the Gessling process. Guessling reports. But yeah, yeah. This we're is not, a crystal ball, not, not guessing We're reports. not doing that. That's yeah. his podcast. Yes, there you go. Um, but I do think, and I can say this with more certainty, that the way they're going to operate in this decision is they're going to take a guy they believe in. They're going to take a guy that they think can be the guy for the next 10 years. Now, if you don't 
have the opportunity to draft that guy or if you don't love the options that you have, should you still take one? I mean, this is the conversation we're having and and there is validity to the idea that you should. I mean, Ron Wolf, we were talking about this before we went on the air. Ron Wolf used to do this almost every year and hit on a lot of them. Not all of them were Hall of Famers like Brett Favre, but a lot of them turned into serviceable or better than serviceable NFL starters. I mean, Mark Brunel was a backup for them. Matt Hasselbeck was a backup for them before he took the Seahawks to a Super Bowl. And worst case scenario, if you develop those guys, they turn into draft capital because you trade them for high picks, which then you blow on Jamal Reynolds, but you at least get the pick when you do it. So there is validity to doing that with this particular one, though, when it's the first one. Uh, and there is going to be a statement attached to that. There is going to be a expectation attached to that, that this is the guy for them. They know that. They know that that player is going to come in with those types of expectations, those types of narratives attached to him, which I think is a lot of the reason they didn't take Will Levis last year, that they didn't feel like he was ready for that because everybody said, okay, this is the successor to Kirk Cousins. This is going to be the future, and you have to believe fully in that guy if you're going to do it. So I, I do think whoever it is is going to be somebody that they think can be an elite quarterback. It's not just going to be take one to take one. We could debate whether that's the right or wrong thing to do, but I think that's how they're going to go about it. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year. But if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com, and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six player stat projections, and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. Prizepicks.com slash purple. Go there. Use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like prize picks, it is very simple to use. You'd see how we do it on the show real quick and easy and then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either you can turn ten dollars into 250 by nailing just a couple of picks so go to prizepicks.com purple the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy well uh take one to take one would have been a good situation with will levis in my mind because you still had kirk and yeah. it doesn't have to be the guy like if you take him and i know what you're saying when you draft quarterback everyone talks about that yeah it would have been a distraction through the season it would have undermined kirk but, but if you could tune that out there's there's benefit to that and they already undermined kirk by not extending him anyway sure so they yeah. already said eh. You know, and yet yeah. Kirk is never bothered by this. And that's one thing that's always impressive. Uh, do you see a dollar figure in which Kirk Cousins can be brought back? This is an interesting question because I do think he's interested in coming back. I also think he's interested in getting paid market value. We have no evidence that Kirk Cousins takes discount deals we've never seen it i don't think we're going to see it which I, is fine not a criticism right it's just how it i mean everybody has a different approach it's that has been his approach that has been mike mccartney his agent's approach and they've used it to get a lot of contracts that have been very beneficial to them so i i don't know that i see that changing the question is going to be does he look at it and say this is a good situation. I have an offensive coordinator, an offensive play caller that 
I have a history with our families, our friends. Uh, I have Justin Jefferson. I have TJ Hawkinson. I have all of these things that are kind of optimized for me. I can take a little bit less money and kind of try to write my legacy. Uh, and then do the Vikings say we want to go forward with it? Because the thing last year was they were willing to do a deal through 23 and 24, but they weren't willing to guarantee what he wanted for 2025. That was basically where things broke down is that they said, we don't want to book things three years out. And that's kind of been, I mean, Quasi talks about this a lot where you don't want to plan past two years. Do they still feel like that's the case because 2025 is the age 37 season? Or do they say, you know, now it's only two years out, so we're okay with it. And does the Achilles play into this? So there's going to be a lot of things attached to this and a lot of things that are going to affect a price point. But I do expect that given the way people recover from this injury, the, the timetable has gotten a lot faster. I'm not sure the, the Cousins camp is going to go into free agency thinking we have to lower our price demands that much because of this. Well, if I'm Arthur Smith in Atlanta, I'm thinking, what is like Ryan Tannehill except better? Yeah. And look whose at wife the, is from Atlanta. And look at the weapons. I mean, they, they've got a lot to work with there. Uh, Kirk knows how to throw the ball to a tight end. Yeah. I don't know. Desmond Ritter does. They've got an offensive line that's built up. They've got a running game. Their defense has improved. The only thing that keeps coming to mind for me as we talk more and more about Brian Flores is that the Vikings and their ultimate decision makers at the very top may be watching this defense and going, man, we got a championship defense. All we need is Kirk. And then we just repeat history. Oh my gosh. Right? That, like, that's uh that's 2018 all over again. They did it once. Yep. Like they could do it again. Uh, so is that coming off of a backup quarterback, taking them to the NFC title game? And oh, for sure. Going that's, to Philadelphia. Is that's that what, what we just saw in the crystal ball, yeah. right? Oh yeah. They beat Detroit. They go on. They, well, I mean, hey, like uh, the Cowboys know how to melt in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know. The, the Minneapolis miracle becomes the Arlington anointing. I don't that, know. Okay. Sure. I mean, is, are, are we are we going yeah. that far where the, that game ends the same way the Minneapolis miracle did? Angels in Arlington. There you go. Okay. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got a extra point to win the game. The holder fumbles the ball. The Vikings win. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. So uh, I have Cincinnati Bengals quarterbacks because oh, good. This, is, this is a tradition even going all the way back. I might look forward to this even more than the crystal ball. I, I, I know, say. I know. But I was going to ask if there was anything else that you were seeing in the crystal ball that you want to bring up. Um, Any other predictions you would like to make or things that are on their mind before we get to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback game? I am seeing... Oh, that's really interesting. It, it looks like we're we're back at a press conference. Um, Quasi is at a podium and he's giving bro hugs. The guy next to him is is very large, uh, very well built. It, it looks like Daniil Hunter. Oh, I see the muscles. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean they're hard to miss, they're even though the crystal ball now. is is kind of foggy. Yeah, it looks like Daniel Hunter signing a new contract here, which that's interesting because that doesn't really fit the Quasi approach. But I, I, it looks like he's starting to talk about how good of a year he had and how he fits in Brian Flores' defense. It was with good. Flo being back, 
he's in a, a great fit for what we want to do. So we're excited to have him back. It, that's what it looks like. That's, that, I see that's that interesting. Too. Yeah. I, I, you're better at seeing it than I am, but I see that too. Uh, and this is another one that goes to the top. Yeah. I mean, he is such an all time great Viking at this point yeah, that with this season really solidifying that, that I just cannot see them being like, all right, just go make whatever money. But I, I will say that if you look at pass rushers, his age yeah. and the money they got, it's really not that bad. Right. Is he willing to take not that bad? Like Hassan Reddick, Shaq Barrett, sure. like, or is he want Nick Bosa? Well, he's wanted Nick Bosa for a long time. He may have missed his window to get Nick Bosa. I guess the question is going to be, does he and his camp let that go right. and say, well, you're not 26, you're 29 and you're going to be 30 next year, even though you're in great shape. But that's still a reality in the NFL. Does he go that way? Or does he say, I still want to hold out for the big, big, big payday? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, on his part, he's come back so many times. He yeah. sort of half dug his heels in and then immediately yep. signed. Yep. I, I think if they offer him a decent contract, he comes yeah, back. I think so, too. All right. So we actually have to go to a uh, Kevin O'Connell press conference where he's going to tell us who's playing quarterback, which is weird to record a podcast before that, but I think we know. So anyway, speaking of quarterbacks, yes. Cincinnati Bengals have a great history. I would like you to name, as you are prolific in this game <laughs> of naming old quarterbacks. Like Immaculate Grid before Immaculate Grid. Exactly. All of the starting quarterbacks for the Cincinnati Bengals since Ken Anderson's oh, last boy. season in 1984. Okay, so Boomer Esiason. Correct. Um David Klingler. That is correct. This is, by the way, the leading passers, I should say. Okay. Not okay. every single quarterback. That would be insane. This is leading passers, I should have said. Dave Klingler is correct. Um, John Kitna. John I'm Kitna. skipping some, is probably. Right. Yep, yep. John uh, Kitna for three years was their yeah. leading passer. Jeff Blake. Correct. Yep, he was after Klingler. Yep. Um, so was Klingler right after Boomer? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so then, I'm now and, up to like the late nineties and then Blake. And yes, you are in 1998 where they had one that's different than Asias and Klingler or Blake Carson Palmer is in there somewhere. He is, but, but that's, that's later. not until 2004. So um, you are missing two quarterbacks in between Achilles Smith. Uh, Achilles Smith did for one year, yeah. lead them in passing yeah. in the year 2000. I don't want to mess up my, uh, cause I'm reading off my phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah to see how many yards that was, yeah. but it might've been like yeah, 1400 yards or something. Uh, but there is a quarterback mixed in there. That's very sneaky. This quarterback mm. played in a super bowl, did not win, but played in a super bowl. And this is in the late nineties. Okay. I think this is one of the most forgettable, like, you know, the name for sure. He it's was not, around for a while. It's not Trent Dilfer, is it? It's not Trent Dilfer. He was a, if I tell, I think if I tell you the teams that he played for, it's, it Stan becomes obvious. Humphreys is not you, it, you're, right? you're sniffing around something similar. Uh, played for Pittsburgh. Oh, Neil O'Donnell. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. Uh, let's see. I believe that uh, we only have two more. One of them is, you just haven't said a really yeah. obvious one. Yeah, it's whoever was there. Well, I mean, Joe Burrow is the obvious one, but well, there's another one before there's him. another obvious one, which is, yeah, who, it's, it's, I mean, he was there was, forever. Yeah. I know. Oh, uh, Andy Dalton. Yeah. Andy Dalton. And, but then there is one more, there is one more we're missing. And this guy is a legend for his own reasons. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> like not a legendary NFL quarterback as in like going to the hall. Yeah. Of Fame, 
but so, an absolute legend. So we're talking late 2008. Late 2000s? 2008. Uh, this okay. would be a guy this that I bad teams that I uh, am personally a big fan of. Personally, considering personally a big where I grew up, right where I started Upstate my media New career. York. Uh, oh, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is right. That is right. Yes. Very well done. I mean, what a list! And again, that doesn't even. That's actually a better list. I mean, in terms of like, there there aren't that many just train wreck quarterbacks in there for a team that has had some lean years and for a while. I guess they went to the playoffs a lot in the Zim Marvin Lewis type years, but there are a lot of like functional quarterbacks in there for a team that kind of has been at the at least for a lot of those years towards the bottom of the league. I think where it gets really wonky is when you go down the list and you find Scott Mitchell, Jeff Driscoll, Brandon Allen, AJ McCarron, who's still on yeah, the team. Played on Sunday. I did not know that Jay Schrader had a moment there. Jay Schrader. Did not I don't remember, remember that, that either. Nope. Ryan Finley, senior bowl guy. Okay. Paul Justin, you might remember. Mm, a kinda. Colts. Yeah, this would have there's a lot like yeah. Donald Hollis. Uh, yeah, Eric, Hollis, I kind of remember Eric Wilhelm. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is, uh, these are, these are good, uh, immaculate grid options for people in need. I don't, I can't tell you all of the other teams that all these guys played on. John Kitten is a good immaculate grid option because he bounced around enough. Anthony Wright, our guy, JT O'Sullivan, Jordan Palmer, who I watch on food channel. Yeah. JT O'Sullivan's like a YouTube star now. He is. Yep. Exactly. So uh, the list the list gets weirder as yeah. you go farther. I mean, everybody's down. does. Every team does. Yep. But the top of it's not. I mean, we've looked at some worse ones than that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Anyway, well, we got to go uh, and talk to Kevin O'Connell. But this was fun. Yeah, it I'm was. We could get always, together. Always fun to dust off the crystal ball and talk about dusty quarterbacks, crappy quarterbacks. <laughs> whatever we want to go. We'll with. see what the quarterback matchup looks like this week. So thanks everybody for watching, and we will catch you next time.